0: Comics Coast to Coast is brought to you by patrons like you. If you'd like to help the show out, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comics C2C and show us a little bit of your love. Your sweet, sweet love. I mean, like a dollar's worth of love. And we'll take that love and hug it and squeeze it and make it do podcast things that you'll enjoy. So come on, see what happens.
1: This is Comics Coast to
2: Coast.
0: Hi, my name is Brian Dunaway, and you're listening to Comics Coast to Coast, episode 326, the Phil Rude interview. That's right, Phil's back, except this time, we're going to ask him questions about himself. Before we talk to Phil, introduce my frosty friend, Joel Duggan. Starcrossed online, that's right it's back, and I can say it, Starcrossed online. Joe That's me. Yeah. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing better than you. Yeah, if so we- I have this
1: rule on the Siddle Cafe. It's in the notes and it says no weather in the small nah. talk. We we refuse to talk about weather. So I'm gonna get it out of my system on this show.
0: <laughs> Thanks for sharing all that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stop you right there and say, "Beep!" Hey, look, Matthew the <laughs> is not here tonight because of weather uh, or not he wanted to come, and he did not want to come because he's been shoveling.
1: <laughs> nice, right? He's been shoveling <laughs>
0: snow all day, and uh, and his I think his exact phrase was explicit tag. Uh, My ass is hurting from all the shoveling of the snow. So, welcome to uh, March eighth, two thousand eighteen. The time when snow just wouldn't go away for Matthew Sharm. Also with us tonight is our special guest, Phil Rude. If you are not familiar with Phil, he's been on the show several times before. Uh, as well as uh, we do a, a well, we've done in the past a, a yearly thing with Hammond Chamberlain. Uh, where, where he takes all the artwork from the artist and uh, he makes us jump through hoops. We'll talk about that as well. But if you want to see Phil Rude's work, it's at philrude.com. Phil with a foot. <laughs> Phil Rude, who's in
2: Florida. Phil, how are you? I'm doing good because I'm in Florida. I'm not getting dumped on with snow. That's and right. Don't worry, Joel. That's as much as as I'm going to talk about the weather. So yeah, I won't. I won't exhaust it here either. Right.
0: <laughs> we're we're done talking about the weather. You're in Florida, so how's Mickey Mouse? We got to know. How's he doing? Uh, I don't
2: know. I, I, he gets enough of my money at the box office. I don't. I don't drive the three hours to shovel it to him directly.
0: <laughs> you really should. Oh. Uh speaking of Disney uh and and Star Wars, which I haven't said yet but mench- uh, Joel mentioned Citadel Cafe. Um did you guys talk about the fact that Mark Hamill finally got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame th- today? No, I didn't did know that you- was
1: happening. I didn't, I didn't know that either.
0: I didn't either. It blew my mind. I follow uh Hamill himself on Twitter and uh he posted on there. He said uh he'll be getting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, And I I was just blown away that he didn't already have one because I distinctly remember someone bashing Donald Trump's star. And I'm like, there's no way Donald Trump had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and Mark Hamill did not. Has our generation lifted Mark Hamill to such a place that other generations don't get him and they're just now getting him? Is that... Am I crazy? Uh,
2: Maybe. I maybe. think the walk, of, the walk of Fame is also like you pay for that star. So it could be that Mark Hamill has just decided not to pay for one. Interesting. There is, there is some sort of payment and uh, uh, recommend it. You have to be sponsored, I think. I don't know. There's all these weird uh, hoops to jump through to get a Walk of Fame star. So, of course, uh, certain people who may be more vain than others right. may be willing to put down the money uh for a little <laughs> vanity play on Hollywood what? Boulevard before other people.
0: I absolutely must not know anything about the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I always assumed it was like all tied into like the Oscars or something. I always just assumed that it was all just one big machine, Hollywood machine. Uh, doing that but I I guess you're probably right so that's weird weird it is weird it is weird that he
2: doesn't have one yet because you would think Star Wars made such a splash uh, with the original trilogy that he would have at least been in line for one
0: yeah I mean and plus Corvette summer what a great (laughs) what a great feature that was classic all right classic but yes but this blew my mind. I didn't mean to get off on that. That, that. That's me. I didn't mean to get off on that. Let's, let's get back to Phil rude. Phil, you've been on the show before, what, but why don't you tell everyone uh, a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you do?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm six one. I'm a Gemini and oh. I enjoy uh, long walks on the beach. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a cartoonist and illustrator. I'm a uh, part-time teacher and i have written and i've written a couple of children's books and comics and i've illustrated a couple others for hire so it's just sort of all around freelancing work and um, just basically if you need goofy cartoon drawings i i, I grab some work like that sometimes right uh, you're, i also you're that illustrator guy Right. I am that illustrator guy. Um, uh, that's my Facebook handle. Uh, it's probably a couple other places too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I also co-host podcasts Bot Mountain" and "Sketching Comedy" on the Blazing Caribou Studios network. And sketching comedy is, is fitting because we draw we draw live on that show. That's a YouTube live show uh, where we talk about artists and certain art movements, like uh, you know, primetime animation. And we talked about. Uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Frazetta and all these kind of giants in in cartooning and and comics and we we draw and we talk about them uh, as we draw
0: Phil I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I've never actually watched it you've mentioned it before I need to watch it there's you're in the long line
2: of people who have not watched it but uh, yeah we do have a few people that come around to it it's a it's I I do that show because I have a lot of fun doing that show it's it's really hanging out and drawing and that's mostly what I do anyway so
0: right and and who's with that who's who's doing that with you?
2: Uh, Carrie McGinnis is our she's our uh, main host mm-hmm. and she kind of does the research and uh, you know leads a discussion about them uh, whoever we're talking about and Imran Javed and I are both we have our cameras rolling and we are doing basically we're generally doing fan art or uh on, in a couple of cases we've done like i did a a drawing of stan lee when we talked about him oh, but a lot of right. the times we're we're doing uh fan art based on whatever we're talking about um so he and i uh he usually is drawn on a cintiq and i'm drawing on paper and we what? kind of compare what we're what we're doing and um go, end of it all we compare our drawings and uh generally we give them we give them out as we've given them out as patreon uh rewards and things like that for the network so it's really it's a it's a cool fun show uh like joel and i were talking about how much we hang out online while we're drawing or whatever and it's like yeah it's just kind of an extension of what i'm doing anyway so it's pretty cool
0: right it absolutely is i want to get back to you talking about uh doing it Doing it, uh, doing it old school while while your while your partner is doing it on the Cintiq. However, uh, can you give us a a link to that? Oh, never mind. Tonda Gosa posted in the chat room. It's uh, blazing Caribou. It. Yeah, he's got it. He's the man. Uh, so yeah. So I'm gonna let's pull it back around. I want to hear about first of all, as as a technical person who is trying to get my hand, get my mind. All around uh, this this Twitch thing we're doing now, I, I want to know how you're recording yourself uh, doing it old school like that, doing the artwork. Do you have like a webcam over top of your head? Do you do you have yeah. like <laughs> what do you got? I need to know. Yeah, that,
2: that's uh, that's pretty much it. I have a a webcam that is on a a microphone boom that I've got like cable tied to. It's it's <laughs> completely uh, you know garage rigged right. to to hang over. Over my desk, and I just kind of try to keep my head out of the frame. At right. the same time, I got a microphone on the desk. My desk gets very crowded, but um, uh, you, because the feed is on YouTube, I can keep an eye on it, and make sure I'm staying in frame, and and things like that too.
0: Right. I, I've I've rigged several things up like that as well. I actually have some PVC pipe that runs uh, yeah. and holds that holds my holds my lighting. Mm-hmm. In place. And occasionally, you, if you watch me closely, you'll occasionally see me go to adjust the light and all of a sudden everything will go dark. And uh, it's because I've knocked it off. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it is, it's never uh, good.
1: Pro tip for anybody that uh, wants to do something like that on a, on a smaller scale go buy a desk arm lamp from IKEA for like 15 bucks. You know, the mm-hmm. ones that kind of, uh, they're accordion, they got the springs in them. Yeah. Right. Instead of putting a light bulb in it, put your webcam in the spot where the, the light would go interesting i like also, that
2: don't don't have the lamp plugged in when you do that uh,
1: <laughs> no <that's-> yeah well <laughs> you, you can't really att- like you can't attach it to the power like i've just got the cord wrapped around the base of it but what i've got is is a similar thing and it's uh i just cut a piece of cardboard into a circle so that fits into the cone of oh, the my
0: gosh you know what we need to do we need to like get secondary cameras so we can show our stupid setups (laughs) yeah it's (laughs) it's great i find it really handy it's it's really quick uh quite fun but i have the
1: same problem you do phil i'm tall you're tall too i think yeah yeah. my my head gets into the frame because i'm i'm constantly bending over to do fine detail work and all of a sudden i was like oh that's the side of my head and the edge of my glasses that no one needs to see (laughs) you know exactly i I get my
2: ear in the shot (laughs) you know it's it's, yeah uh, that's pretty you know, impressive. You are like Canadian MacGyver that's, you know, like <laughs> tearing lamps apart and making camera rigs yeah. out of them.
1: Well, the issue that I have is I don't have enough floor space because my drawing table's in a corner, but I do have a shelf above the drawing table. So I've got, um, and this is the other thing that's key, is that my microphone and my camera, neither one of them are attached to my desk i I'm a gorilla <laughs> when I draw and all you would, all you would see is wobble, 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 wobble. Yeah. And all you would hear is thump, 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 thump. <laughs> if any of those things were attached to the drawing table, it would be bad. <laughs> it's like watching Cloverfield. Nice. <laughs> <It's> just, yeah. <laughs> Hardcore Henry, the drawing <laughs> edition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is fine. What is wish, drawing? Wish, be? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so okay. well, while we're, go ahead, Brian. Oh, well, was no. saying, well, well. While we're talking about tools and stuff, I wanted. So we already established that you know you're drawing on paper a lot of the time, and I from your Instagram and from the stuff that you post, I know that you do a lot of pen and ink work. Yeah. But I want to. I haven't asked this of a guest in a while, and I, I kind of want to know uh, what tools are you using right now? Like, what's your favorite go to pen, brush, whatever?
2: Uh, right now, I I got a couple Kuretake um brush pens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have, I have the brush pen that's like a brush tip that I I don't use that one as much but there's more like the marker tip like the felt tip uh kiratakis,
0: right you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about okay. all right
2: um and they just I don't know I get a line width that I like out of them and it's also super easy to control them it's not quite like controlling a brush or uh like I use a crow quill once in a while. I, I enjoy a line you get with the crow quill, but I'm also um uh what's the word? Stupid. And I will pause with my hand above the paper and inevitably a big drop of ink oh. will drop off the edge of the nib yeah. and and splatter all over what I've been working on. Oh, um so I'm really clumsy with traditional inking tools, but I like right. the I like the Kiritakis. I think they're they're just a really versatile easy to control uh, pen that I get a good line out of.
0: Right. Mm. And that that's the thing about working with traditional media that I forget about because I'm working in digital so often that I will go to, I, w- I will go to say, okay, I'm going to work traditional today. I'm going to, I feel like, you know, I feel like doing a little bit of painting or I feel like doing a little bit of inking and I'll, I'll right. run to my supplies and I realize I don't have everything I need and how inconvenient that is and how messy all of it is. And I get so frustrated because, you know, in, in my digital world, I could pull up anything. You know, it's like you want right. to, you want to ink, do it. You want some paint, do it. It's just all.
2: It's uh, all. It's yeah. in one place, and it's easy to put back because you just click out of it. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sort of technically challenged. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, you know, I have a, a caveman brain that right. doesn't quite. Uh, it doesn't quite link up with drawing in Photoshop. I color in Photoshop or I color in uh, Procreate is sort of my new favorite oh, thing. That's, that's great on the, on the iPad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I don't really, you know, there's the the there's a learning curve to it. I'm always afraid I'm gonna. Okay, I, I get Manga Studio down. That's great. And then there's a big shift to something else and, and, right. you know, something stops updating on and, and eventually you have to learn a new software. I'm always worried about that. And it's like, uh, paper will it... always be paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I, yeah. I it's <laughs> always the same and I can always get it. And
1: speaking uh, of, uh, uh, Stephanie Ray in the chat wanted to know what paper you're drawing on.
2: Uh, usually uh, for, for a good paper that I want to use, I just use, um, and good is relative uh like right. strathmore 300 uh mm-hmm. bristol board
1: yeah that's pretty standard i think a lot it, of it people... is
2: it's it's yeah. nothing fancy it's just a little heavier i erase a lot so yeah um, i need yeah. something that that holds up and takes ink
1: well do you do the smooth or the vellum finish
2: i uh the smooth yeah um right uh, every once in a while i'll find a sketchbook though that has like really good like maybe 65 or 70 pound paper that just has the right finish on it and it takes mm-hmm. ink perfectly mm-hmm. and uh and and i'll just kind of draw some good stuff in a sketchbook and uh i always i always like that because it just seems simpler i always seem a little less uh hung up on things it's mm-hmm. like oh it's just a sketchbook so i'm not precious with anything and it, it you you right. get a little less pressure on yourself when you do that i think
1: yeah, that's why my, none of my sketchbooks are nice. Like, yeah, um, right? There's a there's a brown paper sketchbook that I have, and I do quite like it. But th- none of them are expensive or nice at all. Right? Because, like, the back of the brown paper sketchbook, it's a cutting board. Like, I use it at conventions to cut paper. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> like it's all scarred up. Like it just nothing, scars nothing, it. nothing. Yeah. No, nothing. Nothing is 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 precious with it. Um. But I've had some actually. So I've run out of bad luck with my sketchbooks. Like, I mean, right now, my my regular white paper sketchbook that I just keep notes and stuff in. I don't draw on it because the paper is crap. Like it is, it's, I don't even like using pencil in it. And uh, it's really disappointing because I, so I don't sketch in it very much. I just, I usually sketch in the brown paper one. Um, And even then I have to be in the right kind of mood to do brown paper sketches because they're usually, for me, they're more involved and stuff like that. But um, do you ever do any any colored paper at all, Phil?
2: I do. I have a brown paper sketchbook as well. I don't bust it out very much. I want to say... uh, Maybe two years ago at on at, um, Inktober, I did a bunch of stuff in there right. just because you you get to you know you bust out like some some white uh, yeah some white ink or or acrylic paint and, and do some highlight. I enjoy it once in a while, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like it's a little more involved than just it's
0: it's almost uh, a it's a, almost a, a painter's mentality where it's like oh I need to prime this canvas yeah. so that it's not all white. I can start with a you know a middle tone. And then just work my highlights and my and my shadows and stuff, and it's a little different mentality. So, uh, also in the chat room, they were asking uh, best place to buy supplies in Canada. Uh, Joel, there's a couple of places. Michaels is is definitely on our list here in the U.S. Yeah, and, there's a uh, one that I have locally, and I I don't know if it's if it's nationwide in Canada. It's certainly East Coast,
1: so Montreal and all points east, you should be able to find some Dessert. It's D E S E R R E S. It's a French name. And uh, I find their stuff is is really, really good. Also, uh, pro tip, if you have a art school, especially a university in your town or a town nearby, those usually have their own art stores. And they're generally not crazy expensive because students, especially art students, have no money. (laughs) So it's a good good place to go. And plus, you're not going to get like big brandy stuff. Like I find like the Sarah's is okay. You can kind of, mix and match between like if you want to go in and buy like some artist pens and some artist sketchbooks and paintbrushes etc or they also sell like craft toys for kids and lego like there's mm-hmm. they've got this mishmash whereas a college art store is literally just going to have the stuff
0: that you need there's no right.
1: chaff right
0: right exactly and so also you live in florida phil and do you ever shop because i do it all online all the time there's a place called cheap joe's
2: i do you don't have, know cheap joe's
0: well i believe the last time i looked is a is a business that's located in florida maybe it's just online only i just always assumed that it was a retail outlet attached to it but i used to i used to shop there a pretty good bit there's another place too that I used to shop online a lot but since we got uh about five years ago in my small to medium-sized town we have uh, michael's and hobby lobby both came in and i'll tell you it's just hobby lobby is the place for me because 40 percent off on sketchbooks most days I'll walk in and I'll walk out with a sketchbook for like $5. Mm, And it's just, it's just insane that I can get a sketchbook that cheap. I got to ask a question also something that I always desire as an artist is to get the, uh, the stitch bound, uh, sketchbooks, but I know better because I I only function well with with paper that is on a flat surface, and so I always go with spiral-bound. Do you guys ever get the stitch-bound books, like the hardback kind of sketchbooks that are a little bit more permanent?
1: The only ones that I have that are hardback are my small travel ones, the ones that are like four by five. Right. Uh, And that's because you're really not doing anything super precious in that to begin with, and you can usually get away with it. like you can usually hold it flat and not have it be cumbersome because it's only the size of a, of a postcard. Right. Um, I also do try to look for, um, sketchbooks that don't have the spine glued directly to the spine board. So that right. if you do open it up flat, it'll kind of arc kind of like a paperback and then go right. flat. Like you'll, you can bend the glue. Um, but for the most part, I, I do spiral bound. I find unfortunately still so many, spiral bound books uh, sketchbooks are metal. And of course those rings get bent and then they drive you freaking crazy. I wish right. that more of them would be plastic. You know, like I understand plastic breaks, but it doesn't bend. And right. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I feel like they would, if it was a sturdier or plastic, I'd be
0: happier with it. But uh, no, yeah. most of mine, most of mine are spiral bound. So we have, so we have a couple of artists in the chat room as well. Tandagosa is saying he has a mole skin. I hate you. I love mole skins. They're so expensive. And, but the paper is so freaking awesome. Hmm. And, uh, I, I love that. He also says he tends to use a spiral as well. Uh, Stephanie says, I like loose leaf papers a best. And I got to agree. I have drawn on copier paper. You can get copier paper, uh, at a fairly decent weight. Uh, almost, almost a cardstock. stock. And, and yeah, like, you, you get, get like get- a 65 pound. Yeah. yeah. 65 pound and you can get it acid free because that's really usually one of the bigger selling points when you're going to buy a sketchbook is always oh, acid free because you want it to uh, last a long time because otherwise it'll yellow and, and, mm-hmm. and it'll degrade. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've found it's a little bit of a risk because you have to trust that the paper manufacturer is selling you something and, and, you know, cause it, it's not really designed for that, but I've had a lot of good luck where, uh, I've had, uh, Almost cardstock paper, acid-free, where I've drawn and I've kept in plastic tubs, and ten years later, no yellowing, still looks good, uh, and and so I don't know. It's See that that cheap. kind of that kind of loose stuff would drive me crazy. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. I, have a stack, a I have a stack. have a stack of well. sketchbooks. I have a stack, a stack of sketchbooks, and yes, they are all labeled, and yes, they all have dates on them because if I need to grab oh, something, I need, geez. I need to be able to absolutely grab it. Like I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't have this big Archives. bin full of stuff. You know, right. <laughs> Brian's like, hold on, let me get a, a, a an image from 2010. He just right. kind of
0: holds his breath and sticks his head in a in a Rubbermaid tub. I hope this like, works. <laughs> well, see, I, I don't, I don't usually. I, I haven't until more recently in my life uh, been where I go, okay, this is a project, and this is something that I want to work on for 10 years. It's always been more like, oh, here's a really bunch of interesting uh, sketch ideas, and I've just sketched them. And I prefer just going back, opening the bin up, and just kind of flipping through and just finding all of these great surprises. It's like, oh, I never thought about this picture. I haven't seen this picture in years. I'm going to use it right now, and it's inspiring me. So, But I get you, Joel. You're probably doing it right. I'm doing it wrong. However, I don't care. I pictured <laughs> I
2: pictured Joel's studio like one of those libraries with a ladder that's like on wheels, right? Oh, a track going it's in. Like
1: <laughs> he's just no. I make it sound like it's way more organized
0: than it is. The, sta- the stack of sketchbooks are up- hardbound. Like, is organized, right. He's, else got, is he's got he's got bill from Beauty and the Beast floating around. <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> on The ladder. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Oh yeah. man. Oh, art supplies are like one of my favorite things in the whole wide world.
2: Yeah.
1: So now that we know how you make your stuff, I want to talk to you about how you sell your stuff. Because when I was nosing around your website earlier, I noticed something and that is that you have uh, is it a WordPress site by the way?
2: I know that's a uh, it's it's WordPress's ugly little brother blogger. It's the blogger blogger blogger. site. Okay.
1: uh, Uh, So you have your own same
2: same thing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yes. You've got your own store on philrood.com then you've got your Gumroad store for books and then you've also got society six for your prints yeah so i'm curious why the spread across the different services and is there any of them that you find better to work with um the spread is is
2: honest it is something that bothers me because it is you know you like to have a store in one one place but you know it's print-on-demand for most of it, or mm-hmm. uh, in, in the case of, like, Gumroad, it, everything's automated. It's It keeps me from having to uh, order, you know, do an offset run and, and store books, and you know what I mean? Like, it, it's one mm-hmm. of those things that I think a lot of us deal with. You probably deal with it with uh, Starcrossed a lot. Uh, when you when you've printed books for Starcross, like where do you keep them all and things like that?
1: Right next Where's to that? my sketchbooks. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, well I had them all here, but I mean it's it, it's different too. I mean it depends on the size. I mean with Forge Publishing when we did Piper's book, uh, I don't have those. Those are all in Sales Geek uh, in uh, okay, Virginia yeah. with Dave. Hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, that's uh, it's it's third party. Um so everything I've done it I've done pretty much as a print on demand or any way I can automate it. Like I sell uh my regular my regular store is mostly um a couple zines that I've done, but mostly like original art and gumroad is all digital books. For print books I I publish through Create Space most of the time, okay. which is uh it's owned by Amazon. So when you publish through there you just uh, they sell it through Amazon. So it's just it's an easier way, and then they cut you your, your end of it at the end of the month or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's spread across there, and it's kind of a pain, but I try to label it and, and keep it as clear from the main site. Uh, you know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a print book, for a digital book, for this, that? Because it um, it just keeps me from having to do all the shipping and store books and store prints and things like that here.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's like the nightmare. I mean, Joel likes doing that because you know it, it well, works out so, for him. But
1: well, I did I did it with Starcross because I want to say ninety to ninety five percent of my Starcross sales are in person at conventions, and I don't mm-hmm. fly to conventions. So uh, Starcross is a six by nine book. It's only a hundred pages, so I mean, I can fit a box of those in the trunk of any car, which is mm-hmm. more than I'll sell on the, in a weekend. Right. So for me, that kind of stuff is easy. It's also an easy thing to ship because it fits in a in a, a sturdy envelope, uh, you know. And I, I'm not running to the post office selling hundreds of these, right? Like I mean, <laughs> yeah. I in in yeah. 2017, I think I mailed two. I sold more than two, but I only had to mail two of them. The rest of them were in person sales at events like Halcon or Geekwinox or whatever. Um, now with The uh, Forge stuff, that is way different. That is essentially for me, it's automated, but I pay Dave Michael for a service because he does the fulfillment for me. And that's because we printed a thousand books and that we get orders for those almost daily. So for that kind of stuff, I mean, it's well worth it for me to have someone like Dave uh, who also does um, prints. So in the Forge shop on on ForgePublishing.com. Piper's got a lot of prints up for sale as well, and so they ship for free with a book. Or depending on where you are in the U.S., they they, they may ship for free anyway. Hmm. Um, but so that that kind of stuff helps too, because then everything is just coming from Dave when he can print the prints and right. and um, put them in with the book. So I find I really find it depends on your on your audience's needs. You know, like if we had the majority of of people buying stuff. In Canada, I probably wouldn't be using a U.S. distributor, but, you know, 85% or more of the customers are in the U.S., so it makes a lot more sense to have nothing cross the border and just have it all go go through the U.S.
2: Oh, yeah, right. international shipping is a bear. Oh,
1: and it just went up. So for anybody listening that's looking to get into selling your stuff, take a look at your rates and take a look at what, you know, what um, international rates are because you forget sometimes, you know, as as a – small time or, or new cartoonists or, or artists out there that you go to put stuff on the internet and you forget that people from Australia could be reading and loving yeah. your stuff and want to buy it. And then you go, Oh crap, now I'm going to send this piece of paper to Australia yeah. and it's going to cost oh, me $11 yeah. to send this piece of paper You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, Holy crap. You know, I mean, try sending a hardcover book. It's,
0: I think it's, it's 35 Canadian. It's insane because I, I I just had just a little touch of that over Christmas time because, uh, I'm showing on the camera now, uh, for the Twitch channel, but I got, I had purchased some super Mario cereal and I was sending some to Scott Johnson, uh, for, for Christmas because he didn't have any local to him. And we had like, you know, like 30 or 40 at our local stores. And I said, you know, it, it makes sense for me to ship it to him because I can pick it up for three or four bucks and then ship it for three or four bucks. Wrong. Sending this little box of cereal through, <laughs> even through the cheapest way I could send it from South Carolina, Utah. Granted, that's a good little haul. It, it was like 12 bucks. And I'm like. And it's got, got nothing, nothing that, to do like- with distance. It's got nothing to do with distance. It's the measurements
1: and the designation yeah. that they give the package. So we just, there was just a change in in the U.S. shipping uh, now, and this is why I love Dave, because he's phenomenal. Uh, he found a different way and a different service to use, but the traditional um, USPS shipping um, changed the way that uh, light packages worked. They mm-hmm. could no longer be de- like designated as envelopes. So something like a 9x12 print would previously be an international envelope, which was right, right. not right. cheap, but expected. It's now designated as a package. <laughs> which is like, well, wait a minute. And so that, and that designates by weight, which is like all the way up to like a pound. It's like, well, (laughs) this is grams. (laughs) Like this is nothing, you know, but it's designated in something that's measured in pounds. And he's like, oh God, you know, you end up paying way more than you really should. Um, The trick with, especially books, if you're doing any kind of book is to figure out what the max dimensions are and also the max weight and stay under whatever your threshold is. Hmm. You know, there's a reason why, piper's book is under two pounds right it's it's because the cutoff is something like 2.3 pounds so we figured you know book plus a couple prints plus a sticker thing like if you jam it full of stuff like what's the weight plus the box you know like you have to kind of make sure that you're under the cut it gets really complicated really quickly and and you ask phil why he did there's third party store. Well, well, no, no, it wasn't it wasn't so it wasn't so much the the fill site, although I mean that's um, I appreciate right. the insight. It was more the 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 websites, you know, like why why is it oh, not yeah. everything all on fillroot.com, why is it on gumroad? But gumroad being digital goods, I can see how that would be automated. Now, do you do you set the price on Gumroad or do you ask people to to pay what they want?
2: I typically uh I typically set the price just because it's easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I think I have a couple things on there that I, I set them at zero, but Gumroad Mm -hmm. is kind of open-ended. If you say zero, they'll say kind of zero plus, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and, and give the option. Um, so a lot of times when I, when I do like a book or a comic or something, I'll just, I'll go 99 cents or whatever, you know, just to make it, it's digital, it's cheap. It's generally a, a short, a small book. It's a one shot story or something like that. And it just makes it cut and dry uh, because I've had, you know, you know, my godmother will go, oh, my God, he made a comic. And she'll throw $20 in the pot. And it's like, geez, you know, it's not my birthday, you know, mm. and Marilyn. It is, you know? it is and, down. And, and so you, you, you kind of, and um, it's, an, it's not that I mind people throwing money in the pot, but it's just sort of like it makes it more cut and dry. I think a lot of people – uh, who want to support you? Don't necessarily know how much, yeah. how much to put on there. It's always a question of, am I paying enough? Am I insulting? Am I? I know when mm. I come against a uh, name your own price, I'm always like, uh, I I want to support this person. I don't yeah. want to overpay. I don't want to insult them by by holding back too much. You know, and and it just sort of becomes it's. I would rather see a price tag and just pay whatever. Is asked so I try to do that,
0: and Music. I also
2: have made uh a couple bundles where I'll just it's ninety nine cents a piece I'll put six mm-hmm. or seven of them together and just say five bucks and and you mm-hmm. can download the whole kitten and caboodle of them all
0: kitten caboodle because the one that you're talking about is Zen cats right uh Zen cats is on there, yeah, I enjoyed that and- I think that's I think that's the one I picked up, and we had this exact discussion in our discord channel. 'Cause I was like ah, yes. it says it says zero. I wanna give something and I, I went through this whole process of of figuring out what Brian see, would pay. We got to
2: see how Brian's mind works for a little yeah, bit there of uh we of did, and, to name of a price because it is it is complicated, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it it but I figured out a way to do it and I feel like it was a fair price for for what I, what I gave you, you probably disagree. You probably, you're probably like, no no way, way, man. (laughs) So it's a good question. Uh, Stephanie in the, in the chat room does ask, how do you set your prices for art, labor, materials, prints, originals? I'll tell you my quick answer, which will be totally wrong. And then I'm going to let, you know, Joel and Phil fill in what they think. Usually how I do it is I go, okay, is this something that I should already know how to do? If it is, I will charge, you know, like if I know it'll take me X hours. So let's say that I know that it takes me, you know, eight hours to illustrate something that someone requested. This takes a lot of knowing yourself uh, for setting prices. Is knowing how long it takes you to complete a piece and to be honest. You got to be honest with yourself how long it's going to take to complete. You can't charge the customer. You can I try not to charge the customer for my learning curve. So if I go, yeah, I can do that, but I don't know how to do it yet. And I know I got to go learn how to do it or it's outside my comfort zone. I don't charge them for my learning process. I charge them what it should take me to complete if I had the skill set. And how I usually consider it is what would be a reasonable skilled labor charge in my area. Uh, it, if a professional like a plumber or whoever is gonna get somewhere between uh, 45 to ninety dollars an hour. That is a professional person who has experience in what they're doing. Forget all this stuff of what is art worth. There's a lot of ways to do it. I am very much a uh, you know, a workman and I think, Okay. If I was doing plumbing and I was really good at plumbing, I would charge $90 an hour. So if it's going to take me eight hours to finish this and I charge $90 per hour, here's the final rate. Can the customer afford that? I, I don't know. Maybe that project's not for you, but that's, that's how I do the math. That may be kind of oversimplifying what I do. What do you guys do, uh, for when you're setting your prices, Materials materials, by the way, materials are materials. I don't charge for materials other than what it cost me. So if, if I go buy a sheet of paper and it's a dollar sheet of paper, then I pass that cost on $1. Go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much in line with, uh, with how I do it too. I try to guess on average, it takes me this much to do. I also try and factor in what it's going to be used for. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is uh something that's going to be used for like uh merchandising or or something like that, then I may say okay um you know in addition to this fee i want i want a slice of uh, you know i want a royalty basically mm-hmm. um so you know it all it all depends it it depends on the client it depends on uh sometimes <clears throat> i i'll factor in." not learning curve, but just sort of like, uh, try and gauge, like how much back and forth is this going to take? And that, yeah. you know, <laughs> as opposed to going, oh, this would take me eight hours to do, uh, yeah. but I have a sense this is going to, you, you know, you have, you do enough freelance work after a while, you get a little gut sense of like, oh, this <laughs> is an eight, an eight hour job. This is a 12 or 16 yeah, there's hour gonna... job.
0: Yeah. You have to look at your client and go, okay, that's, that's a three, that's a three revision client there, or that's a five revision client. You're absolutely right. Also, one of the things I was describing when I, when I started was there's a big distinguishing factor of what Phil's describing, which is, uh, putting your creative background into something where the person comes to you and goes, you make something. What I was describing was work for hire. So when someone comes to me and they say, you know, I want an alligator, uh, jumping on a beach ball. I charge them for that price, but if they come to me and go, I want a logo, I have no idea what I want. Or, you know, if I, I have an idea for a t-shirt and I want you to expand on it, it, it can vary greatly at that point. There's you're right. Oh, yeah. There's a big there's, factor.
2: There's a lot of, uh, of people that I have told you have to give me you have to give me a jumping off point because I, I can't play the guessing game for six months right. while you uh, make up your mind mm. <laughs> um, because a surprising amount of people say, I want a logo. Well, what do you want? I have no idea. Right. Well, well yeah, boy, that leaves it kind of so wide
1: open. You charge those people hourly. <laughs> it it <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. is. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah. A lot of times what I'll also do is right up front, I'll go, uh, you get, uh, you know, you get, Three rounds of revisions on while we're thumbnailing, you get th- you know three rounds in pencils. Hmm. By the time I go to ink, you get one small change, and then I'll give you color changes after that. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah, it's yeah. sort of like I lay yeah. it out like you make your revisions count uh, because you're you're getting a limited number of them. Otherwise, you can play the back and forth game for. Right. I mean, they can yeah. technically keep you on the line forever. If, if, For, you, if yeah. you
0: don't have a yeah. yeah. have Forever. I, I have a gimmick that I use, uh, and I hope none of my clients are listening, but I have a gimmick I use. And <laughs> it's called, it, I, I call it, uh, give them 90% or maybe 85% of what they want, and then intentionally make something just obscenely bad that they will obviously see. Because you'll go, okay, I've made everything that I want to do, but I'm going to give the crocodile a purple shirt. Because because clients want to have input. No matter what they say, they want to have input. So if you give them one thing to change, they feel engaged. And so I kind of intentionally hold back just a little bit and I, I, I put this one little thing in there that's just so glaringly obvious. They go, oh, yeah, I, I don't like purple on a crocodile. It's no good. And then I take it out. And then they feel engaged. I've given them a change. And uh, it seems to work. It's, 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 it seems a little tricky, but I've found that it it works for me most times, especially if it's a client that I know is going to be one of those people. That's a you great know? idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's
1: tricky. Uh, I've got something to add, but I want to answer a- – Stephanie raised a question in the chat room first, and that is, how do you deal with people who ask you to do work for less than what is reasonable? Stephanie, you say no,
0: right? That's exactly it is re-
1: right. no, and I and I mean <laughs> yeah. that. I don't want to. I don't want to be rude, but I. You do nothing. Like when you walk around a convention floor, and you see somebody selling original drawings for twenty bucks, mm-hmm. you know, or prints for three or five that are like big, you know, eleven by seventeen or something like that. Uh, They do nothing but hurt themselves and hurt the rest of the artists at the show. There's kind of a going rate for a lot of this kind of stuff. But when you really undershoot your own work, you're really hurting the whole industry. Because ultimately, what that means is more and more people have that expectation so that when someone like me has a drawing of Clayface at their table, that's an original piece for 150 bucks people scoff at it and they go, well, why do I want, why would you pay $150 for that? I said, because it's an original drawing and it took me three hours to do like, that's, to me, it's a pretty reasonable price actually. Right. But, but if you're not doing those, the, if you're not selling your services at the proper rates, then, um, you can end up doing more harm than good, especially to your own career. Um, I, I know it's hard. I've done it and I've done it when I'm Tight on cash, and I've just had to tell people like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'd be better off spending eight hours on Starcross than I would yeah. be spending eight hours on your thing that you want to pay me a hundred bucks for. Um, and Tondagosa actually mentioned something in the chat room that I want to echo as well, and that is he he kind of changes his stuff depending on clients. That is also very true. Uh, I can't really charge the same kind of rates at a convention that I can when someone, a professional business comes to me and says, Hey, we want to design a logo. Like there's two very different business expectations there. Um, but I think the, the ba- major differences, one is work for hire and services. And the other one is like commissions and one-offs and prints. And there's a, there's a difference between, between the two. Um, for me, um, I, I, tr- I do charge hourly. I have a lot of flat rates that I do for contracts, but that's because I know where my flexibilities are and I know where my strengths are. Someone says, I need a logo and I know the kind of logo that they want from the email conversation, which really it's, you know, you invest 20 minutes in talking to somebody and then, you know, you can decide whether you're going to take the job or not. Um, I know I can usually make more than my hourly rate. Uh, If I can nail this thing straight away, there's a chance it might take a little bit longer. Um, But something that I put in my, my contracts when I deal with larger clients is that here's what you get. As Phil said, you know, you get X revisions on this, you get thumbnails, you get, you know, a revision here, you get, I get color revisions there, et cetera. If we exceed these, these revisions, then we switch to hourly. Yeah. And that's usually enough, especially when people see your hourly rate, my hourly rate is $95 an hour. So when people see that they go, okay, so let's stay organized and make sure that we can do this within Joel's contract rate because otherwise we're, he's going to be charging us, you know, $95 an hour. Now I'll bill on the half hour, but still like it, it's enough to kind of keep potential clients uh, in line. Now I don't do that with all clients because some of my clients are return clients. We've worked with, with, with each other three or four times already, and it's really smooth sailing. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, First time clients, I absolutely make sure that that little thing is in there because it really keeps people on the up and up. It does. Um, but something that I think has come up a lot in the freelance world in general, not necessarily just with art, but just overall is a day rate instead of an hourly rate Hmm. because hourly rates can get, it it gets difficult for people to kind of comprehend depending if they're in your industry or not. And and it can get a little bit tricky sometimes, Um, but breaking down what you want to make in the course of a year and then breaking it down to a Monday, Friday day rate is a lot easier. And then if you're doing any kind of things in batches, you know, so this has, it's, this lines up a little bit more with more like crafting, like say a furniture maker or jewelry maker or something like that, where you can do a number of things and you're doing like a, rep- a repetitive task. Um, but if you know that you can make, you know, 12 bar stools in the course of a week, and then you know what your day rate is, then you know what you need to charge to make your money back for those bar stools at the end of the day. So depending on what you're doing, whether it's a comic strip, whether it's a series of, of fan art drawings, um, then you know what to charge for them. Um, I, I find it tricky with original stuff uh, and, and prints. I I look to other artists in the industry that are doing similar kind of work to me uh, and, and see what they're charging, try to get a feel as to whether they're doing it successfully. And if they are, then, Hey, go for it. Um, piece of advice that I got from a former guest on this show, actually, Derek Lofman, who does a ton of prints and phenomenal work. Uh, he bundles his stuff. Mm-hmm. So you put a price on the print that you might feel is a little high, but is adequate. But if you really, if you really want to kind of drive some sales, then you take similar stuff and you bundle them together. Like he's got star Wars bundles, he's got Marvel bundles and stuff like that. And because he bundles them, he sells probably more people come looking for one Spider-Man print and they leave with all of the Avengers going, this was amazing. You know, like, cool. And so that kind of stuff I think is, you know, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of research here and there I, I find goes a long way. It's, it's hard. It's such a big world. Once you get into like products and stuff like when it's not just you drawing for someone and you're doing prints or books or things and like it it starts to get really um really complicated really quickly
2: now slow down joel i'm trying to write all this down right (laughs) no i mean seriously like that's these are great like talk about going over revisions and then you switch to hourly and
1: Mm. and
2: like that like these are great tips and and uh stephanie this is really how you learn is Talk to other artists, talk to people who've done it longer or have done more client work because every job is different and you'll find your own set of circumstances, I think is mm-hmm. the end of the day lesson here is, you know, everybody has their little tricks to get a fair paycheck at the end of the day and uh, and you pick up stuff from from other artists, I think.
0: Right. And by the way, I was, I was showing the chat tra- chat room just then. I don't go, I guess you guys probably saw it, but we were talking about Derek Loughman and I have uh, a, a wonderful print. He sent us uh, as a thank you for being on the show. And I, I was showing that as a, a star Wars, thing. great stuff. Oh, oh, the star Wars one. Yeah. So yeah.
1: I'm excited because I just bought uh, Derek's new book, which just finished on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. He took his sketchbook or his art book one, and then supersized it to be the same size as art book two. So for my little OCD art shelf, it's going to look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't and know that.
0: Yeah, so really I I was tweeting that all over the place. How did you But miss I didn't, that? I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't I know I saw I saw the book. I didn't know it was the same size. Oh, yeah, no. So he's the
1: first one was small. Um, right. still nice, but it was his first printing effort uh, for a book. But then he did bigger with art book 2 and now he's making art book 1 with additional content to match the size of art book 2 and then he's rolling with this size going forward. But as part of a Kickstarter stretch goal which was extraordinarily smart he gave people a discount in his store. And if you use the discount by a certain date, then because he does his own shipping and fulfillment, your order from his store will ship with your Kickstarter book. Hmm. So you save on shipping, plus you get a discount in the store. So speaking of that Star Wars print, Brian, I have my eyes on another print from his Star Wars set to go with it. And I think that's what I'm going to get. To go with my book, well, just go ahead and order two. And, uh, <laughs> nice. We'll be uh, DerekLoffman.com people for if you want to check it out. It's his stuff is just right. phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Speaking of somebody who's fantastic, Phil Roode has been on the show, and you know we did it again. I mean, every time you get on, we end up talking so much shop we forget to talk about you exclusively. And maybe that's what makes you so great, Phil. You're such a you're such a giving artist. Uh, what what you do and your talent is is it speaks for itself. If you look at your work, um, I, I really enjoyed uh, picking up the Zen Cats. And I also we didn't get to talk about it. Uh, I I hate to even get into it because we're we're kind of running long on time here. But there was a project you just recently worked on. It's called Five by Five. Yes. And uh, I'll tell you, I just want to give you some words of encouragement, even though. You didn't exact, you didn't place with what you put in there, right? You said no, the the work that you submitted did not place, which is a shame. Uh, but what I want to say is don't give that story up. I love that story, I love where it's going. I I think, I think the five by five may have been the thing that started you on that story, but I, I, for some reason, I'm loving those characters. It could be, it uh, could be a a definite
2: jumping off point. Um, Uh, just real quick five by five was put on by ghost city comics and that's ghostcitycomics.com and it was a five page comic in five days they gave Mm -hmm. you a prop a setting and a line of dialogue that all had to appear in your comic um and they gave you those as the clock started ticking uh Sadly, I didn't know when I signed up for it that that would also be the weekend that my air conditioner crapped out oh. and leaked down the walls and flooded my house. Um, right. So I was juggling some stuff, but I really, uh, yeah, I came up a, a little bit short. Um, I, the the winners the the winners were printed in an anthology that came out yesterday, and I've been uh, I downloaded it and have been going through it for the last couple of days. Uh, I did not lose to anybody. I did not deserve to lose to. There's some phenomenal work in there, and at right. Ghost City Comics, you can download it for free. Uh, there's an audience uh, voting, an audience award voting, going on right now, and I would promote any of those people who are in that anthology. It's it's a really great challenge. Right. I think they're going to do it again next year, um, and it lets you get something done. You know, it's yeah, one of those things. Yeah. It forces you, you can't lollygag around like we all do with comics sometimes. Like it goes, you got five days, get something done, and good, bad, or ugly, you've got five pages at the end of that five days. And <laughs> you you've finished something. It's short, it's it's uh, choppy, but you've you finished something. And as someone with uh, a minor A D D sometimes when it comes right. to projects, like that's a that's a
0: huge boost to just
2: Absolutely. get something
0: done. Agreed. Also, by the way, Logan Rude in the chat room says, hi, dad. You're doing great. Hey, thanks, Logan. Uh, get your homework done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Can't has nothing. All right. Uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil, thank you so much for being on the show again. I know Welcome we're going to have. Him. Oh, dude, you you know, you're going to be back. It's, it's why even say goodbye. It's more like we'll see you <laughs> see soon you later. Yeah. Right. We'll see you soon. So Phil, uh, a reminder to the listeners, philrood.com is a great place uh, to see Phil's work. Uh, we can follow you on Twitter at Uh Instagram, is, is that also another of your favorites? It is
2: uh, at philrude 75 I uh, i couldn't, for some reason, I could not get my name. I had to put my birth year on oh. there.
0: Right. Interesting.
2: Uh, so yeah, I mean, you look for me, you'll find me on there. It's oh. um, It's pretty
0: easy. Not a problem. Uh, I wanna thank the patrons. If you want to support the show, go on over to patreon.com forward slash comic C to C and show us a little bit of your sweet, sweet love, Joel Duggan of Star Crawl, still Online and Forge Publishing. Thank you, sir, for being here today. Hey, thank you. I'm I had a blast, Phil. This was really good. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. And, and uh, but- thanks. Go ahead, Phil.
1: Jose, before we, before we check out, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Will Henry for yes. uh, Wallace the Brave, which has just been picked up by Andrews McNeil for syndication daily, Yes, is a huge deal. So congratulations to, to Will. That's fantastic. And for those well of you deserved. that want to know more, uh, Comics Coast to Coast episode 296, we interviewed Will uh, last year.
0: Yeah, we need to get him back on the show as well. Let's, let's give him a little bit of breathing room, though. He's going to have some deadlines. I can <laughs> yeah, just, just a few. Just I a can few. feel it. Awesome. Uh, do we know what who we're having next week, Joe? Uh,
1: well, next week uh, is your birthday. So That's there is right. No show, Comics Goes to Ghost, next week. Birthday, However, the week too. after, uh, we are going to be talking to Nick Sharma. Uh, and that is N-I-C-K-S-H-A-R-M-A
0: dot net uh, if you want to Excellent. check out some of his work. Excellent. Yes, please do that, and I will have a great birthday. Thank you for asking. Also, want to say thank you to the chat room, especially Tonda Gosa and Stephanie, and for our late arrival, the small rude, the Logan rude. <laughs> Get your homework done. The smallest thank of you. rudes. The smallest of rudes. But we'll be back next week. Nope, the following week at 7 p.m. Eastern time. After we all lose an hour of sleep between now and then. Uh I think that's it. Oh, don't forget to mi- to mention Matthew the Charm. He's great. I hate that his butt was sore from all the snow shoveling. But go look out at his work. Go to YouTube, uh Matt the Wad, right? Is on YouTube. Just, just search for Matt the Wad. Uh so it's, Matt, uh, on it's
1: Matthew the Charm on, on YouTube, it'll come up. And uh Twitter right. for him is Matt uh, underscore
0: the underscore wad. That's right, that's it. And guess what? We'll see you guys next week.
2: Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com
0: Thank you, Phil. Thank you,
2: guys. Oh, it was good. A pleasure Sorry. Oh,
0: no, we're oh, so good. I'm not, now I'm going to fall asleep.
2: So good. We lulled Joel to sleep.